Praise the Lord. It says, if the world hates you. All right, that's an interesting opening part, right? You ever think about it when you read the Bible, just apply it to me? So you start off with, if the world hates you. So immediately you should be thinking there's a potential that I could be disliked. Now just start thinking about that. How many like to be disliked? Anybody? Something in this scripture today is going to reveal something about your heart. God's going to prophesy to your heart. What's prophecy mean? It means he's going to speak directly to your heart and how you react to being liked. How I react to being liked. Do you know there's a very serious um, psychological issue with people wanting to be liked? Um, wanting validation. In fact, they've studied it really, really heavily with Facebook. How many know that people, if you um, put something on Facebook and you don't get a lot of likes, psychologically they begin to examine what happens to a person. Do you know that they'll go through depression? They'll have serious issues because they want to be liked so bad. And you say, well, that's not me. Well, you may not even be on Facebook. But you probably are fishing for the same likes in life. And you'd be shocked how much of your life is spent trying to get other people to like you. Or the approval of other people. Or sometimes the approval of God. And God today wants to strip all that away. And begin to deal with our ability to be disliked. I mean, think we need to work on our ability to be disliked. Because it says there, I haven't even got into the scripture yet, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind. Well, I can't get past that. If the world hates you, why is the world going to hate me? And who's the world? If the world hates me, keep in mind. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. These are the words of Jesus. He's actually talking to his disciples previous to his death, and he's trying to prepare them on how to be his disciples. So he's clearly saying, they hated me first. They didn't like me, okay? Let's just say they disliked me. Okay, it's probably even deeper than that with hate. But Jesus said, they didn't like me very much. They, did, they hated me. So be prepared. They're probably not going to like you either. They're going to hate you. Okay? So it doesn't sound encouraging right now. But we're going to reveal something that's very powerful through this. So stay with me. If the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. If you belong to the world, they would love you as one of their own. Boy, that's powerful. If you were one of them, they would love you as one of their own. Think about that. If you were one of them, which says I'm not one of them, they would love you as one of their own. 
But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. They don't know the one who sent me. If I had come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have, be, they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one had ever done, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without cause. Title of my sermon is Hated Me Without Cause. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, speak directly to our hearts, Lord. Take me out of the way, Lord God. Prophesy to hearts, Lord. Lay them bare, Lord God, for their benefit and your glory, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Praise the Lord. So first of all, let's define, John uses this term more than anybody, and the term is the world. So what is the world, and how do we define the world? Well, this particular use of the word world is not, um, sometimes we would think of the world, and in some places the world is like the globe, like the land, the oceans, the waters, everything that's on planet earth. And uh, John's not referring to this. The oceans don't hate me. Okay, the uh, the land masses don't hate me. The trees aren't my enemy. All right? So he's not talking about the world uh, physically. Um, but he's talking about, in fact, he says in another place, you may have heard of it, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And you begin to realize that when John uses the term the world... Um, He's referring to a group of people that are rebellious against God. It is not just a people that's rebellious against God. It's a whole system, a world system that is is, um, rebellious against God. How many can recognize what the world is that John's talking about here? There is a system that if it's unchecked, uh, for instance, in the education system, If the world, this system that is opposed to God and rebellious to God, which the Bible says Satan is the prince of the world. So he's in charge of this system that's against God and in rebellion. And if he gets a hold of the education system, really the goal of that system would be without any, if you had no intervention whatsoever or nobody stopping and it was unfettered, it would be... Uh, literally trying to take minds and make them opposed to God. How many know that? You could have an whole education system that could be completely worldly, and and if nobody did anything to stop it, by the time you were done being educated, you could be totally opposed to God, and your relationship with God would be more fractured than it's ever been. Um, There is a social system that is opposed to God. It is rebellious against God, 
And this social system um, has no desire to please God. They have no uh, intention to keep any law or any um, commandments that God would give. Um, God, God plainly states that He gives every commandment because He loves His children. But there's a world system that doesn't care about God's recommendations, doesn't care about God's commandments, doesn't care about God's opinion on anything. And so if you are a part of that social system, that morality that comes from that system, you'll find yourself becoming more and more fractured from God. You'll find yourself going farther and farther away from God. And this is what the Bible calls sin. And sin causes a separation with God whose whole purpose is to repair a relationship so we can become sons and daughters. In fact, did you know that everybody is not sons and daughters of God? There is, God is the father of creation. He's the father of all because he created everything. But he said, but as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. He has offered to adopt us into his family as sons and daughters. And so this world system is constantly working to fracture our relationship with God. And so Jesus comes along and he says, there's going to be a world um, that's going to be constantly at war with you. They're going to be constantly trying to fracture your relationship with God. And Jesus came so you can have a relationship with God. How many know that God wants us to be so close to Him that we just absolutely love Him? In fact, uh, this whole thing about religion, this whole thing about church, um, we've made it into a lot of different things, haven't we? But really, ultimately, what it is is God wants to be close to us. And if everything that we're doing on Sundays, everything we're doing during the week in our devotionals, everything we're doing in prayer is not repairing a relationship with a father and a son and a father and a daughter, then we really wasted our time. And so God today wants to deal with this issue. In fact, I started to get into it and I started to think, man, why, why do they hate us? You ever wondered that? Why would, why would you hate Jesus? That's like saying you hate ice cream, right? I mean, what did he do? You know, he came around and he was healing the sick. He was talking about loving one another. He was talking about all these different things that sound very positive. And most people, when they talk about Jesus, whether they follow him the way he asks people to follow him or not, they're going to say good things about him usually, right? But Jesus is very clear that he fulfilled a prophecy that said, they hated me without reason. And so we've got to figure out why, why did they hate him? And so as we begin to look at why they hate him, in fact, let me give you a few more scriptures about the hate. John fifteen eighteen. If the world hates you, that's one I just read, I'm sorry. John 16, next chapter. These things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. 
In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world, right? John 17, I have given you the word and the world, I've given you the word and the world has hated it because they are not, my words are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out, I ask you, Lord, not to take them out of this world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. That's Jesus' prayer for us. Okay? And so you see this hatred. 1 John 3.13 says, Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. So, if, if we're... Number one, this is going to be an inevitability. Everybody see this? If you're going to be a Christian and you're going to begin to draw close to God... This dislike for us is going to be inevitable. And so if it's inevitable, I feel like as a pastor, I need to prepare you for it. Because there's a lot of reactions that happen when we're disliked. In fact, uh, that's a little later in my sermon here, but there's a, how, how many, think about it for a second. Have you ever been disliked for no reason, no cause? How many of ever that's kind of startled you a little bit? Man, why wouldn't they like me? I'm great. I'm such a wonderful person. How many, how many know? And they've studied this. Uh, there literally are reasons why people will dislike you before they ever talk to you. In fact, you may remind them, they say, one of the reasons is you may remind them of somebody that they didn't like. Or your uh, actions may look like somebody that they don't like. Like, for instance, you could walk into a church on a Sunday morning, on May 5th, you say, man, I had a preacher I didn't like. I already don't like this guy. You know, and I, I don't like his build. I don't like the way he talks. And, you know, you could be pre, have a predisposition to dislike people, right? So there's something about us that they will immediately dislike. I mean, they're going to walk in. They're going to dislike us, and we've got to figure out How am I going to sort that out and how am I going to deal with it? And how am I going to strengthen myself to deal with that type of a thing? So it's inevitable. If the world hates you, keep in mind they hated me first. Um, It also says it's kind of worthwhile to be hated because it says you're not one of them. If you were one of them, they would love you. So it's not something that I probably should be avoiding, right? I mean, there's something about this that is a demonstration that I'm not from this world, right? It's a demonstration. There's something about me that makes people look at me and say, hey, wait a minute. He's not from this world. He, He doesn't think like the world. There's something unique about us that they recognize that we're not in the world system, And whatever that is that's distinct about us, they need it. They need to see somebody outside of the world system. Because the world system that's rebellious against God and against God, we've already established the world uh, is against God. They're rebellious. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't have a relationship with the Father. So they're looking at us and they're saying, wait a minute. That person has something different that's outside of the world, that's otherworldly, that we're like almost an alien to the world. 
He goes on and he says, and this uh, is verse 19, it says, As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why they hate you. You, if you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life, think about this. Jesus, how many have ever been in a line and you're picking teams for a game? Oh man, this is rejection, okay? I'm getting into this matter here that I'm going to get into in a minute. Rejection. Okay? Jesus picked you first. He chose you. All right? Now when you're chose first, you're like, oh yeah, I'm first. And they're like, we hate you. All right? But the world picked you last. You're rejected. So you're the one who's last and despised and hated by the world, but God picks you first. And so now I've got an issue here. Do I, am I drawn toward the world or am I drawn toward God? And so you have this battle going on inside. And how many know it's going to affect how you live for God, how you answer that question? Am I looking for the approval of the world? Or am I looking for the approval of God? So you were chosen by God. And he also goes further in verse 21 and he says, They will treat you this way because of my name. Because they do not know the one who sent me. So it's telling you why the bad treatment. Why the bad treatment because of my name and because they do not know the one who sent me. Did you just catch that? He just went to the heart of the matter. They don't have a relationship with the Father. That's why they hate me. And that's why they hate you. Because you have a relationship with the Father. He goes on. This is from the King James from verse 21. Listen to this. But all of these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him that sent me. That's the Father. Now listen to this. If I had come and spoken to them, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. What does that mean? Before I came, the sin was hidden. But now that I'm here, they have nothing to cover it up with. And you say, well, what's he talking about there? Remember, sin, the rebellious system, the world is what fractured my relationship with God. It's what broke my relationship with my father. And now they see somebody who knows the Father and is close to the Father and is loved by the Father and is favored by the Father and God is pouring His love upon this person and all of a sudden now they have no cloak to cover what they don't have. Do you understand that, church? You know what that tells me? That there's a lot of people, these were a lot of Pharisees, a lot of religious people, a lot of people in the world, And when they see somebody who knows the Father and is close to the Father and is loved by the Father 
and has a relationship with the Father, you know that all of us lost that. There's something inside of us that wants validation. There's something inside of us that wants approval. There's something inside of us that wants somebody to say, you're somebody, you're something, you've done well, I love you, I care about you, you're safe, you're secure. That's inside of us and it's been broken. We've been rejected by the world. We've looked at it in in all the wrong places. We've looked for somebody to tell us we're somebody. Somebody to approve us, somebody to validate us, somebody to like a post. And God's saying the only place you're going to find that kind of love and that kind of approval is that relationship with your father. And they covered it. And we cover that broken relationship with our Father with cloaks, coats, jackets. And when Jesus came and they seen, in fact, God showed me this in Genesis 37. Listen to this. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed. This is 37.1 of Genesis the land of Canaan. Now look, verse 2 says, this is the account of Jacob. That means that in Genesis chapter 37, there's a book that Jacob wrote, and this is the beginning of that book. This is his personal eyewitness account of what's happening, okay? Remember, the dad is writing about his son here, okay? He is writing his own personal story. He says, the dad says this about his son Joseph. Joseph was a young man of 17, I want you to begin to see how proud this dad is of this 17-year-old boy. He loves Joseph, and you can tell by the writing. Joseph was a young man of 17. He was tending the flock with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpha, the father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph. Do you know who Israel is? Jacob, he's writing this story about himself, and he says he loved him. Do you see how much he loved this boy? And it says, he loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, They hated him. And they could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Do you see this hatred? This hatred. Now, why did they hate him? Because his dad loved him so much. They had such a relationship, they were close. They talked, his dad specially made a jacket, a coat that represented favor. Do you understand that? Can you imagine just, he don't even have to open his mouth. But when Joseph would walk into the room, the brothers would take one look at that coat and they would see the favor. They would see the love that the father has poured upon his son. And Joseph is a type of Jesus Christ. How many know that? He came among his brothers. You see this? Jesus came among his brothers, and it was almost like he wore that coat that Joseph wore. God loved him so much. God favored him so much 
that the Jews could not stand him. They hated him. They couldn't say a kind word to him because of the favor. And so I began to look at this and I thought, man, if God begins to favor me, how are they going to react? How many know that this whole Bible is about God loving you and favoring you and having a relationship with you? And through that relationship with Jesus, through that relationship with us, God wants to restore relationship with every person who's in the world. How I many know that? God wants to pour His love upon us, and He wants to us to love Him so much that we can transform the world because God said, Whosoever believeth in Me would not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in Me should not perish but have eternal life. God wants every single human being in the world to have the favor that Joseph had upon him. Jesus wants every living person to have the favor that Jesus had from his father. And so I began to think, man, how do we react? How do we react to this uh, dislike? I thought, man, you know, and I started to sit down and I started to write about five or six steps to deal with people disliking me and hating me. Because I'm going to have to be ready for this. Because God's going to, God wants to pour so much love on me. And see, Jesus' authority was based in His love for His Father. His obedience was based in His love for His Father. He was so close to God that He would never dream of being disobedient. In fact, He wanted to do everything to please His Father, and He almost didn't have any desire to please another person, just His Father. He loved His Father that much. He was that close to His Father. He had so much favor from His Father. And if God's ever going to use us in this world, somehow we have to learn to quit being people-pleasers and be God-pleasers. God has to so get a hold of our heart that we fall in love with Him And we forget about all the love we're trying to get from everybody else. And all the love we're trying to get from money. And all the love we're trying to get from immoral behavior. And all the love we're trying to get from all these things. God said it's as simple as this. Fall in love with me today. And so I began to write my five or six points on steps to overcoming being hated. And it's funny, I got to number three. And God said, shut the book and go to bed. So I started here, and I I started off really well, and I I thought, well, here's my reactions to hatred. Capitulation. That is, by definition, the action of surrendering or ceasing to resist an opponent or demand. How many think when you're hated, you capitulate? Meaning, I'm not even going to fight. I'm not going to... uh, I'm not going to really show the world that I love God so much because I'm afraid they're going to hate me. I want them to like me, so you capitulate. Everybody following me? You capitulate and say, well, I'm just not going to love God as much because I want them to like me too. Well, man, that's no way to deal with it, but how many think that's what we do sometimes? So I better back off on this because the world's not going to like me, and I want them to like me, and I want God to like me, and so we capitulate, right? And God doesn't want us to capitulate. And then I started going through and I thought, man, anger. 
I was just thinking, you know, what ways that, you know, a person could deal with being hated by people for your love for your father. And sometimes there's anger, and, and there's two kinds of anger. One is anger toward people. You know, you start, to, in fact, I went to bed and, and I immediately had a dream. And uh, God was just, God wanted me to go to bed just so he could try to speak from the heart. You know, he didn't want me, so I can't teach the people what I want to teach them today from your notes or from a book or, you know, I'm going to have to have you speak right to their hearts. And I had a dream. I was sitting in a classroom and it was somebody I knew. And uh, how many have ever had like uh, people you know and you're just like, man, that's my family or that's my friend or, and you just begin to know, you know, they, they don't like you for some reason and you just don't know why. And, and I was sitting in the classroom and, and for some reason, they just didn't like me. And I knew they didn't like me. And it was, it was more personal because I knew it was real life. I knew they really didn't like me in life either. And they made a point of, uh, I, didn't, I don't even remember what I said, but it was something that wasn't bad. And so they made it out to be really bad and embarrassed me in front of everybody and humiliated me. And, and all the kids were laughing at me. And, and I woke up. And God said, how do you handle that? <laughs> How many have ever been there? And so sometimes they hate us for no reason. And man, we're so caught up in the approval of people and being liked and needing uh, people's approval that sometimes we just get angry. How many have ever done that? And God say, man, how am I ever going to let you be me in the world if you're getting angry every time somebody hates you for no cause? And so we, we rise up. And we say, they're not going to treat me like that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we try to, we go back to our old ways of trying to have revenge and try to get back at people and try to say, you're not going to do that to me. And God's saying, you don't understand. So Chad, you just need to think about that. You need to think about that anger toward other people because this is inevitable. They're going to they're going to dislike you for some reason and I want to pour my favor on you. And the more I pour my favor on you, the more they're going to dislike you. And I can't pour my favor on you. I can't pour my authority on you. I can't pour my power on you unless you learn how to love me more than you love them. If you want their approval, go get their approval. If you want me, you've got to learn to live without approval. And so God said, I, man, I've got to do some heart surgery here on your church. The other anger is anger toward God. God, how can you let them treat me this way? I thought I was your favored son. I thought I was the one that, you know, had your favor and, your, and you loved me. And why do you let everybody treat me so bad? You know, why does he send his son, who's God, into the world And let him get treated so badly. And why me as his follower who loves him, why is he letting me go through the same thing? And sometimes we get angry at God and God says, how can you be angry at me when I I did it to my own son? There's something that's being accomplished here that you don't understand, Chad. Then I got to the next one, depression. How many have ever just said, hey, why? Why even try? But see, here's the thing. God's trying to build a strong relationship between you and the creator of the universe who is our Father. 
And he wants to pour his love. He wants to pour his affection. He wants to pour his spirit upon us. He wants to do mighty things through us. But he just can't get past this approval thing. We love the world so much that we have to have the approval and we can't grow as a disciple. And he's saying, I'm getting ready to die here. Let me prepare you for something that's going to be really critical for you to understand. And then I got to the fourth one here. Reaction toward hatred that is without reason or cause. Now, there's some hatred that's has reason and cause. Sometimes you're just a jerk. Sometimes I'm just a jerk, okay? I'm talking about they don't like you because they know you love the Lord and you have a relationship with God. So then I stopped and I thought, man... Desperately seeking validation or approval, and I started, and God said, Hey, that's it. Shut the book and start praying about this. And He said, Not just this church, not just me. He said, The human, all human beings have a rejection mindset. A rejection mindset. What is a rejection mindset? When our relationship with God was fractured, when our forefathers are, the history starts with Adam who rejected God and began to get distance with God. And then it went to Cain and Abel, who Cain and Abel, Cain slew Abel, and then we began to get more distance from God. Then we began to get more distance from God. And we get more distance from God. And then God says, we all like sheep have gone astray. And we're all so far away from God that we have no relationship and our relationship is fractured with God. And when your relationship is fractured with God, how many know when you're an orphan, which is what we were because of sin, we became an orphan. And when you're an orphan physically, I want you to think about this, and you don't have a mom, you don't have a dad, How many of you know your heart gets fractured? And your heart has no security. Your heart doesn't have stability. And you're desperately looking for somebody who will give you stability, somebody who will give you security, somebody you can trust in. And we start looking around. We find a girl. We find a boy. We find a job. We find money. We find sex. We find all these things, friends, And we try to say, I need the security, I need the safety, I need somebody who loves me. And we have a rejection mindset because they all keep failing. Our pastors fail us, our leaders fail us, our teachers fail us. And God says, I'll never fail you. I'm trying to to repair a broken relationship, but every time I do try to get close to you, you cloak yourself. And you say, well, no, I go to church and I do all these different religious things. And God's saying, that may not be repairing your fractured relationship with me. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 said, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
The spirit you receive does not make you a slave, no, so that you can live in fear again. Now I want you to picture living in fear. When you're an orphan, how many know you live in fear? You fear whether people are going to like you. You fear whether they're going to be taken care of. You fear whether you're going to have a future. You fear and you're living in fear because you don't feel like you have anybody. You don't have anybody you can love. And God says, this is what happens. So you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that spirit... We cry, Abba, Father. And God says, the work that I want to begin to do in this church, church, God wants the Spirit of God begin to flow through us. God wants to be able to speak to you. God wants to be able to talk to you. God wants to have a relationship. I can't teach you this from the pages of this book. I can't even do it in a worship service. Church, God is going to begin to pour His Spirit on this church, God, in fact, we started building the walls yesterday for a prayer room. And there is no shortcuts, church. Let me tell you this. You're not going to hear this in a lot of churches because a lot of churches, they wear cloaks of religion. And see, here's what happened. The Pharisees did everything the law said to do. And the one thing they did not do is take their religious coat off and repair their relationship with the Father. They didn't know God. He wasn't their father. He wasn't close to them. They didn't speak to him. They didn't hear his voice. He says, my sheep will hear my voice. My sheep will hear the voice of the shepherd. And church, our goal is for every man, every woman, every little kid that's in the back. Our goal is to get in quiet places where God can speak to you. Where God can begin to say, you're my son. You're my daughter. Because here's the problem. Our hearts are so scarred because of hurt, because of pain. I want you to think about the spirit of rejection. Every argument we have in the body of Christ is because of those scars of rejection. Every relationship that's been broken, every divorce, every argument, every fit of rage, everything that we struggle with sin-wise is because of that rejection and that spirit of rejection that's in our heart. And God, if God is ever going to send us out to a world, you say, well, how do you deal with hate? The way you deal with hate is, in fact, Before and after John 15, in fact, he starts off, I am the true vine in chapter 15. I'm the true vine. And here's what he says as he talks about the vine. In verse 9 he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love, and if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love, I have told you this so that your joy may be full in you and that your joy may be complete. And then, right after He talks about the love that He wants to fill you with, and it's the love of the Father, then He says, but be ready. 
you're going to be hated. So you say, well, how do I deal with the hate that's in the world? The way that you deal with the hate that's in the world is be full of the Holy Spirit. Because when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're full of God's uh, love. You, how many have ever sat for hours in God's presence and began to hear from His, His Holy Spirit? And as you begin to get a closeness with the Spirit of God, God begins to fill you up with a boldness, the Bible says. Why were they so bold that they didn't even care about their life anymore? Because they were so full of the love of their Father that that's all they could think about. They were so crazy about God, that's all that they could think about. Why could they minister to the lowest of the low? Because they were so full of God's love for them that they wanted somebody else to have it. And church, if, if, if what we're doing here is not causing that relationship to be closer and closer and closer with our Father, but let me be honest with you. Most churches, people want to go to church and keep their coat on and never open themselves up to being close to God. They want to keep the cloak on. They want to say, yeah, I want to go to church. I want to take communion. I want to be a part of some kind of rites of religion. But be close to God, I don't know. Because I know what's going to happen if I have to get close to God. God's going to begin to speak to me and I'm going to have to fully be in love with Him or fully in love with the world. And church, God is calling us to quit playing church. And you know, let me tell you something else. And this is what, this is what really angered the Pharisees. We're full of religious exercises. In fact, I don't know why. God kept leading me to a place in, uh, in um, oh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. And they had left God. They didn't have a relationship with God. They had not trusted in God. And the Philistines were in camp next to them. And, and so they were sitting in the camp next to the Philistines and they had lost a battle. And the Philistines um, heard a roaring from the camp. They said, man, what is that noise coming from the camp? And they were celebrating the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, they were like, oh man, we're going to win this next battle. There was noise in the camp and they were loud. But they didn't trust in God at all. But they thought God was going to win a battle because they had the Ark of the Covenant there. And church, can I tell you something? A lot of our religious exercises that we do in Pentecostal, Assembly of God, Methodist, Catholic, all these different places are just a coat. And we're covering up the fact that we're not even close to God. We're not near God. We're not crying out to God. We're not, we're not hearing God's voice. And God wants to take this church to the next level. God wants to strip it all down. He wants to take that coat off and say, quit hiding the fact that you're not close to God. Let's get close to God. Let's let God pour His love into our heart. Let's get full of the Holy Spirit. Why do you think they had boldness when they were full of the Holy Spirit? It's because God was filling them to the gills with His love. And you say, man, what will love do to you? 
Man, all you've ever experienced is the love of a man or a love of a woman, and people will, will, will swim the farthest river to get to their love. You know, they'll do anything. They'll move heaven and earth for the love for a son or love for a daughter. They'll do anything for the love of a man or a love of a woman. But I'm telling you, that kind of love has an end. That kind of love has a limit. That kind of love runs out. That kind of love disappoints. But God says, my love will never disappoint. My love will never run out. My love will be poured liberally. My love will change the world. My love will make you look in the face of death and not fear. He says, when you become a son of God, when that spirit of God begins to tell you, you're my son, I love you, I've called you out, I've chosen you. When God begins to speak who you are, it'll change everything. And Jesus said, that's what they've seen when they've seen me. They've seen somebody that was full of the love of the Father. And that grace and and that, when he walked in, I mean, they just seen the favor of God on him. And they hated him. But church, how can you possibly hate the world when you're really in love with God? When God's loved you this much and all he asked me to do is love God, them that hate me, and that's easy then. Worship team, if you'd come up here. And I don't even know how to end this thing. Praise God. Church, God is calling this church. When we get that prayer room, God's just told me, protect it. Protect it. Protect it. And you say, why is that? Because there are people that have been wearing coats of religion for so long that they'll turn a prayer room into something of their own. Something that is continuing what we've been doing for a long time. And God said, that place is so sacred. You say, is it special? No. Well, you're going to learn in there. I hope you take to your home. I hope you take to your workplace. But what God wants to do is make a place so sacred that its whole purpose... It's for you to lay there until you hear God's voice for the first time. Because I can't preach what God wants to tell your heart. I can't preach when God finally reaches down and says, I really, truly love you. You really are my son. You really are somebody. You really are somebody. And you say, man, it feels good when they like my post. It feels really good because my dad finally said he loved me. It feels really good because somebody the other day said I was beautiful. In church, it doesn't feel anything like when God says something. And God wants to speak to you every day. He wants to fill you full of His Holy Spirit and overflowing. Church, we need places in this church where we can get along with God. Shut our mouth. With all the religious exercises, you say, well, I want to do it this way. I want to do it that way. Just shut your mouth. Get in God's presence and learn to practice His presence. Learn to hear His voice. Make it more precious than anything else in this world. And when we begin to hear God's voice, when we begin to be full of God's love, in church you can't picture it because you put more value on everybody else's love. You put more value on your dad's love and he's still going to fail you put more value on my approval as a pastor and I will fail you today. Before the day's over I will fail you but he will never fail you. 
God wants this church. That's where we're heading, church. We're going to get into His presence. We're going to get into quiet places where God can begin to speak to His sons, speak to His daughters. We're going to protect them. We're going to say, be safe in here. Just get in God's presence. Just hear His voice. It's going to be the most precious thing that there is, is to be in God's presence. You say, can I just do it in that room? That's my training room, church. That's my training room. Because I want you to do it at home. I want your sons and your daughters to know that God loves them. I don't want them to know that some 22-year-old in another country loves them on social media. What's that going to do for them? That doesn't sound good anyway. I want you to know that God loves them. My daughters and my sons, I want them to know that God loves them. I love them. I want them to hear God say that. Hear God speak to them. How many think that we need to see sons and daughters begin to prophesy? We need to see the Spirit of God begin to move. And we've had so many quacks. We're almost afraid to go to a doctor. God says protect them because we need the Spirit of God to the flow in the church. Hallelujah. Stand with me. 11.44. Somebody was praying. Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me this morning. Heavenly Father, oh Lord, I just pray right now. Our purpose in this church is to draw people to you, Lord God. Oh, that they would have intimacy with you, Lord, their Father. Oh, Father, it's a love that's beyond anything we've ever experienced. It's a joy that is unspeakable, Lord God. It's a peace that passes all understanding, Lord. Lord, you want to fill your people, Lord God. Oh, Father, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would pour your spirit upon this church, Lord God. Lord, a genuine and a real and a sincere move of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Nothing that we've prepared, Lord God, nothing that we've envisioned, Lord God, but directly from you, Lord God. Pure, Lord God. Oh, pure, Lord Jesus. Let us take our coats off, Lord God, of religion. Everything that hides the fact that we're not close to you, Lord. Let us become close to you, Lord God. Today, if you leave your eyes closed, your heads bowed, maybe you've never drawn close to God. The first step is what we call justification. That means I'm giving my heart to the Lord because I now want to know him. I want to make it my goal to know Him as the Lord of my life. I want to live for Him with all of my heart. If that's you today, let me see your hand. Nobody's looking around right now. You want to know the Lord? I see that hand. Anybody else? I want to know the Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Anybody else? That's the first step, church. If you want to start stepping out of the world system, you say, man, I've seen the world system. I know that they're opposed to God. I know that they're against God. That's the first step out of the world. It's a rebellious against God and has a fractured relationship. The next step is, let's start to know God. Let's begin to press in and say, God, can you speak to me? Can you begin to speak to me? Can you begin to pour out your love in my heart? That's the next step. To stay full of the Spirit of God, which makes us cry out, Daddy. Oh, Daddy. Oh, Father. That intimacy with God that God has wanted for eternity. Praise God. Anybody else? 
never given my heart to the Lord. We're going to say a prayer together. Now let me tell you something powerful about this prayer. This prayer will give you clean hands. How many know it will give you clean hands and you can now raise those hands before God without any guilt? It'll take away every sin, all that rebellion. And he says, if you're faithful to confess your sins, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just, forgive you of all unrighteousness. He died because he wants you to be his son and his daughter. And if you receive him today as the Lord of your life, you've just taken the first step out of the world and into sonship, immediate sonship and daughter of God. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. Pray with me, everybody. Heavenly Father. Today I sincerely give you my heart. I accept you as the Lord of my life. I pray that your spirit would flow through me in a spirit of adoption. Oh, and make me your child. Teach me to call you my dad. Oh, yes, right now, Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray over these This prayer, Lord God, Father, there are those here today, Lord God, that have never given their heart to you, Lord God. I pray right now, Lord, that you would release them to begin to worship you, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord God, Father. Oh, right now, Lord God, begin to pour your spirit out in this place, Lord God. Oh, church, if you would just begin to worship God, praise the Lord. Church, I'm going to dismiss in a word of prayer, but we're going to continue to worship, and I'm going to open the altar up. Praise the Lord. If you need prayer, maybe you've struggled with the spirit of rejection. Man, I've looked my whole life for some approval and validation. I've looked my whole life because I feel like an orphan. I feel like I don't have anybody that loves me. I don't feel like anybody that cares about me. I feel like I've been abandoned. And if that's you, I want to pray with you today. That's what we're here for. How many know that? We're here to pray over needs. Maybe you've got a sickness. You need to be uh, prayed over by the elders. The Bible says lay hands on them with anointing of oil and they'll be made well. Praise God. We'll lay hands on you. If you're going through a sickness, uh, if you gave your heart to the Lord this morning, let me tell you something. I'm itching to build a new baptismal tank. How many think that's a high priority? you've given your heart to the Lord today, I want to pray over you. And I want an excuse to build my baptismal tank because I want to baptize some people. Praise God. How many think I need an excuse to build that? So if you gave your heart to the Lord this morning, I want to lay hands on you. I want to pray for God's spirit to fill you. I want to see God to begin to move in your life. And you say, why do I have to come forward? Because God wants us to make it public. God wants us to say, hey, God, I care about you so much. I just want to let everybody know that I've given my heart to the Lord today.
Praise God. We need prayer. Come on up here. Don't wait. That's what we're here for. We're here to pray over the sick. We're here to worship. We're here to pray. Praise God. Don't be shy. Take the coat off for a second. Take the coat off and say, hey, I'm at church. It's okay. I don't need uh We're here to get closer to God, right? We're here to pray over needs. We're here to get closer to our Father. Or we're wasting our time at church, aren't we? Lord, let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray your spirit upon your people, Lord God. Father, as they leave this place, Lord God, begin to move in their life. Lord, begin to draw all men and women to you, Lord God. That's your goal and that's your desire. Lord, you want to put favor on each person, Lord God. Begin right now, Lord God. Begin to pour your love and your favor upon every person, Lord. Lord, let the world notice it, Lord God. Let us rejoice in that hate that we have toward us because we're blessed. We're blessed and we're favored, Lord God. It's your love that makes us stand out to the world, Lord. We thank you for that, Lord God. We thank that we're counted. We thank you that we're counted worthy, Lord. Bless your people as they go. In your name I pray. Amen. Church, the altar is open. This thing just started. Hallelujah. Praise God.